You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Happy New Year. Always fun to start off a new year and always a fun to be able to do it on a Sunday morning uh, like this. So the very, very, very famous quote, I think a lot of us have probably seen or we've heard it multiple times. Uh, some of you may even have it on a plaque in your home or in your office. It's a quote that is uh, commonly used by Alcoholics Anonymous and a lot of other 12-step programs in the country. It is in the form of a prayer, and it is a great prayer. And it goes like this, God, grant me the sincerity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, there really are kind of two parts to life that every new year kind of brings front and center. It brings the things we cannot change and the things we can. On the one hand, I mean, there really are no guarantees in life. I mean, I cannot guarantee any of you here that you're not going to get sick sometime in 2017 that you may lose your job, be involved in a car accident, or maybe even be alive at the end of this year. There just are things we simply cannot change. The challenge we all face every day is kind of facing things in life we can change and then making the right decision about those changes. So life really kind of comes down to making decisions. Who you are today, What you are today and where you are today are because of the decisions you've made in the past. Let me just kind of put this on a lighter note. Dr. Seuss puts it this way. He says, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know and you will be the one who decides where you'll go. Oh, the places you'll go. Now, Dr. Seuss was right, except just in one part of that. The good news is, as you make decisions in life, you are not on your own because you don't have to be. In fact, this is where oftentimes we get into a lot of trouble because we make too many decisions in life on our own, apart from God. Any of you ever kind of done the following, spent money you wished you never spent? I mean, dumb question to ask right after Christmas, right? Bought a car you wished you'd never bought. Made an investment you wished you'd never ever made. Entered into a relationship you wished you would have just bypassed. Accepted a job you wished you'd have never taken. Put your name on a contract you wished you'd never signed. All of us could probably answer yes to one or more of those scenarios. In other words, we can all look back in our own lives and de- see decisions, choices we've made that were not wise choices. Today on the threshold of a new year, I want to kind of just start off the new year with a series called Wisdom for Life. In this series, I want to kind of just look at some uncommon wisdom for people who have tried everything and a lot of things didn't work out. There really are only two types of decisions you can make. Now from a human perspective, we would kind of say these are good decisions or bad decisions. From God's perspective, You'll either make wise decisions or foolish decisions. And just as every parent wants to train up their child to make wise decisions, God wants every one of his children to also do likewise in making wise decisions. 
So again, the key takeaway that we're going to look at in this series is the wisest decision is to seek God's wisdom in every decision. Again, nobody understands the importance of making wise decisions than, say, a president or a king. And one of the two greatest kings who ever lived clearly understood something that, uh, uh, that uh, it was a decision that he made. And in turn, it really made him the great king that he was. Now, God did have something for him, and he will do that for us as well if we will follow the king's example in our uh, making decisions. God did something for Solomon. He never has done before and never has done since. He doesn't just give him the opportunity of a lifetime. God gives Solomon the opportunity for eternity. In 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Man, what a question. What a statement. What an invitation from God. That verse kind of reminds me of the story of Aladdin and his magic lamp. You remember it? Aladdin finds a magic lamp, and when he rubs it, a genie pops out, and the genie has the power to grant him uh, every wish. I know all of us have probably fantasized at one time in life of finding a magic lamp like that and then wondering, what would we wish for? The old saying is true, you'd better be careful what you wish for, you might get it. There were three men who were marooned on a desert island with no hope of rescue. And while walking around on the island, one of them kicked up an old lamp. He rubbed it and out popped this genie. And the genie said, I will give each one of you three one wish. The first man said, I wish I was back home in my office in Boston. Poof, he was gone. Second man said, I wish I was at home in my living room with my family. Poof, he was gone. The third man looked around and said, man, I am so lonely here. I wish my friends were back here with me. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. The problem with wishing is that genies and magic lamps don't exist. But we all know God does. And in this encounter between God and Solomon, a wish became reality. And it's incredible. God asked Solomon the most amazing question an omnipotent, infinite God could ask an impotent, finite man. Listen to this question again. Ask what I shall give you. I mean, Solomon had just been handed a blank signed check by the God who doesn't know the meaning of the word impossible. Solomon at this time, he's probably around 20 years of age. And what he asked for is truly remarkable. Because you see, an egotistical person, they would have asked for more fame. A materialistic person would have asked for more wealth. An ambitious person probably would have asked for more power. And if we were all honest in this room, our request probably would have fallen in one of those three areas. Listen to how this 20-year-old man responds in verse 10 to God's question. Solomon says, give me now wisdom. God gave Solomon something more valuable than wealth, more satisfying than fame, and more exhilarating than power. He gave him wisdom. What God did for Solomon, I'm here to tell you, he will do the same for you and me. Indeed, as we read exactly how Solomon responded 
and what Solomon did and what God did for Solomon, we're going to glean some incredible principles that can help all of us make the rest of our life the best of our life by living otherwise and making wise decisions. So let me just kind of give you three principles toward wiser living. The first thing is admitting you need it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still pretty impressed with this 20-year-old man. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was 20, like most 20-year-olds, I kind of thought I knew it all. But Solomon was wise enough to realize he wasn't wise enough to do what he needed to do to be who he needed to be. Remember, Solomon, he's just been inaugurated as king. I mean, his office furniture hadn't even been moved in yet. He hadn't appointed his cabinet, but he's already realizing there is something missing from his resume that he had better get in a hurry or he's going to be a spectacular failure. So he says to God in verse 10, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and to come in before this people, the nation of Israel he's referring to there. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? Now again, Solomon, he's a highly educated man. He's very literate. We know he went on to become a very prolific writer. Growing up, he watched his dad, King David, do a tremendous job of governing his people. Solomon was, again, the popular choice to follow his dad. He was beloved by the people. But he was humble enough to realize two very important things. First, he did not have what he needed to make, the wise decisions he was going to need, but he knew God did. In fact, later as an old man, Solomon wrote a book called Proverbs, which was a letter to his son on how to have a life and to live a life of wisdom. And he advises his son to do what he did to admit that he needed wisdom. And then he reminds him of this in Proverbs 2, verse 6. He said, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the first step to living wisely, to having the wisdom you need to make wise decisions is you got to admit you need it. Benjamin Franklin once said the doorstep to the temple of wisdom is the knowledge of your own ignorance. Once you admit that you need wisdom, then you also have to admit that God is the only source of wisdom. In fact, God has a monopoly on wisdom. His wisdom is so far above and beyond human wisdom that it makes human wisdom look weak and foolish. The Apostle Paul, thinking about this, even made this statement in 1 Corinthians 1.25. He said, the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Think about that. If God were capable of a foolish thought, that foolish thought would be far wiser than the wisest thought a human being could ever conceive. So often the reason why we make bad decisions is because we stubbornly, or just out of ignorance, we refuse to admit that we need to ask for advice from the God who gives wisdom freely and abundantly, or from others who are just wiser than we are. Admitting you need wisdom. Man, it'll save you a lot of heartache. One of the advantages of being a professional golfer is that many of them, all of them have caddies, and the caddy doesn't just carry their clubs. That caddy is also there to kind of give advice and wisdom 
about hitting and making the best shot in the game. Tommy Bolt was a great golfer. He had won a lot of tournaments, but he had one major flaw. He had a volcanic temper, and he was very, very prideful. One year, he was playing in a tournament in Southern California. This is a true story. And he had a bad round the day before, and he was just really ticked off. And he thought his caddy had not done a very good job. So he told the caddy to be quiet that day and not to say one word to him the entire game. Bolt hit his first tee shot, and it came to rest behind a tree. And he asked his caddy if he thought he should hit with a five iron, and then he thought better, and he said, no, don't you say a word to me. He took the five iron, and he made this unbelievable shot that landed on the green. So he turns to his caddy, and he very proudly says, okay, you can say something now. What did you think about that shot? The caddy looked at the golfer and calmly said, Tommy, that wasn't your ball. God does not give wisdom to people who think they don't need it. He only gives it to the people who admit that they don't know enough. Our problem oftentimes is we have enough knowledge to make foolish decisions, but we don't have enough wisdom to make wise decisions. It is a wise person who admits he is not wise enough to think otherwise. So we got to admit it. Second step toward wiser living, ask for it. Solomon's request, I mean, you can't get more to the point. He says, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and to come in before this people. Now again, the order that Solomon puts this in is very, very important. So you can have a lot of knowledge, but very little wisdom. But if you have a lot of wisdom, folks, you have a lot of knowledge. There's a tremendous difference between wisdom and knowledge. And Solomon understood that, and that's why he put wisdom ahead of knowledge. We're living in a world that is drowning in knowledge, yet it's starving for wisdom. Would you agree with that? The amount of knowledge that we have at our fingertips today has led to a phenomenon called information overload. Researchers say that human knowledge is doubling every 13 months. I mean, the information you can read today online in one daily newspaper has more information than a person living in the 17th century would have come across in their entire lifetime. We have more knowledge at our disposal, more knowledge at our fingertips, more than we will ever know what to do with. If we have learned anything, we should know by now that knowledge is no substitute for wisdom. Someone once put it this way, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. That's true. Wisdom, it is the right, it is the proper use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many people know a great deal and are some of the greatest fools. But to know how to use knowledge, that is wisdom. The reason Solomon asked for wisdom first and then knowledge is wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge we gain and then use that 
knowledge to make wise decisions that will be best for us and those who are impacted by our decisions. That's why employees need wise bosses, a church needs wise pastors, children need wise parents, and people need wise leaders. One of the marks of wisdom is being wise enough to realize that knowledge alone is not enough to make wise decisions. Wisdom is knowing there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Amen? Yeah. The point is you can do exactly what Solomon did. Anytime you want or need wisdom, you can ask God for it. You don't have to be a king to need wisdom, and you don't need to be a king to get wisdom. The same deal God made with Solomon, he will make with you and I. About 800 years after Solomon's wish and his dream came true, the brother of Jesus, he writes these words in the New Testament in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, and there he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, just as Solomon did there, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Pastor Anley Stanley once wrote a book. It was called The Greatest or the Best Question Ever. He said the best question ever is this. What is the wise thing to do? God has made a promise when you find yourself in a situation and you're not sure what to do, you're not sure where to turn, you're not sure how to react or to respond, if you will ask that question, God, what is the wise thing here to do? He will answer it. You just have to admit you need wisdom. Then you have to ask for it. And then the third step toward wise living is you got to apply it. You can admit you need wisdom. You can ask for wisdom. But wisdom won't do you any good and you'll still make foolish decisions if you do not apply the wisdom that you were given. Wisdom, again, it is not abstract knowledge you make with your head. Wisdom is action that you take with your hands. Now Solomon went on to write about this wisdom in Proverbs 2.2. And he says, turn your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Now wisdom, it's more than just intellectual knowledge. Wisdom, it is practical, hands-on living. The word apply literally means to extend or to hold out. Wisdom is something you can extend to every area, every arena of your life. Now Solomon did not ask God to make him smart enough to make a living. He asked God to make him wise enough to make a life. That's a big difference. The word that is used for wisdom there, it is literally the word skill. And oftentimes it is used and it is uh, describing people who are skilled in working with their hands. Again, this isn't so much about head, it's more how you apply this, how you use your hands. It gives you wisdom not so you can show others how much you know, but so you can show others how to live wisely through the things that you do. Again, that brings us to the definition of wisdom. Wisdom is really seeing life through the eyes of God and living life in the will of God. Wisdom is realizing how 
important decisions are in your life and how important it is to make wise decisions in your life. There's an old saying that goes like this. It says, there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. I mean, the fact that you're here this morning, you made a choice to be here this morning. So there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. No matter how big or small the decision is, you must always keep in mind the choice you make makes you. Who you are today, what you will become tomorrow, the influence and the legacy that you leave behind after you're gone will all come down to the decisions you have made in life. If you don't think living otherwise is a big deal, listen carefully to these unbelievably insightful words of C.S. Lewis, and he says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. Taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central theme into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Either a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature leads to joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment, is progressing to the one state or the other. So the next several weeks, we're going to kind of just be covering some of the primary major areas of life where you will make decisions that will impact your families, your health, your happiness on a daily basis, how you manage your time, how you handle your money, how you deal, how you face temptations in life, and even kind of your personal uh, health habits. Again, as you make those decisions, remember they will either be wise or they're gonna be foolish from God's perspective. We all know there are consequences to every decision we make. The difference is consequences have what I call a back-end price. Wisdom has a front-end price. Let me explain the difference. Wisdom teaches you the lesson before you make the mistake. Isn't that true? Wisdom will teach you the lesson before you make the mistake. Consequences demand that you make the mistake first, and then it teaches you the lesson. See, wisdom puts up the fence at the top of the cliff. Consequences put you in the hospital after you go over the cliff. So how are you going to live this coming year? How are you going to live the rest of your life? It's going to be one decision after another. And again, from God's perspective, those decisions, those choices you make, from God's perspective, they're either going to be wise or they're going to be foolish decisions. And we will either reap the blessings, the benefits of the wise one, or we'll suffer the consequences of the foolish ones. You'll either build your life upon the rock or you're going to build your life upon the sinking sand. But let me tell you the wisest decision you will ever make 
is this. The decision of giving your life to Jesus Christ. The decision of getting your life under the authority of God and his word. And when you do that, when you make Jesus Christ Lord over your life, when you make him the savior of your life, the word says that he will come and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And with God's Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, one of the benefits of that is you'll hear God's voice. You'll sense his leading over your life. Jesus said in John 14, 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, is also called the comforter, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Man, that is, that is a beautiful, glorious, awesome promise. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Everything the Holy Spirit teaches you, everything the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, it will constitute the wisdom of God for your life. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, we just come this morning because, again, that promise in James 1.5, if any of us lacks wisdom, God, we can just ask of you. And God, this morning, I just pray, Lord, that there would just be a spirit of humility over each one of us here this morning. That, God, we would just come to that, uh, that acknowledgement that we don't know everything. That, God, we really control very little and yet, God, you know it all, and God, you are, you are sovereign. You are in control of everything. So, God, this morning, we just, we come in humbleness before you, God, knowing, God, that we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. God, we need your wisdom. We need the mind of Christ as we begin a new year. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would come. That, Lord, we would be open, that we would be available, God, that we would be, again, recipients of that wisdom that you have, God, that is yours, that you freely offer to us through Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we just thank you. Again, Father, we thank you for that promise that we have the mind of Christ. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, as we just, again, acknowledge, God, as we ask for that, and then, God, just give us the wisdom, God, give us the courage. Give us, again, the, the steadfastness, God, that we will live out, that, God, we will apply the wisdom that you have given to us through your Holy Spirit, through your word. God, that word that may come through someone else, but, God, that we would be able to apply that, that we would be able to walk that out in our lives. And so, Father, again, we just thank you for that promise, God, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. God, not in our greatest moment. God, not in our darkest moment. God, you will always be there. And God, part of always being there, God, is that you will give us wisdom. You'll give us insight. God, you'll, you'll give us your leadership over our lives in every step we take. And so, Father, we thank you as we stand on the threshold of a new year, a new day. God, we just ask, Lord, go before us. God, just reveal your steps. 
And then again, God, give us wisdom. Give us courage, Lord, just to walk and to follow after you. And again, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning, God. We thank you for the wisdom that is ours through you. We ask, God, that you would just begin to release that over us through your Holy Spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.